Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of a law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD, located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman, and welcome to Inside Divorce. I'm sitting today with Lynn Thomas, and we're going to talk about lots of interesting things that Lynn knows about, including emotional intelligence. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Hindel. I'm thrilled to really be here. And just a little about my background, um, I have sort of reinvented myself four times. I was a tax attorney with Arthur Anderson for a number of years. <laughs> and then I went over to private banking, the Bank of Boston. Yeah. And then became a change agent in Bank of Boston and was really, to put it kindly, um, disenchanted with how they treat clients and employees. So oh, I left uh-huh. to find out a better way. So I've spent a lot of my the last 30 years working on client and employee loyalty and retention and how companies can keep clients and employees. And after going through all the primary research we looked at, it's like 67 to 68% of all clients leave because someone exhibited indifference. And then employees, it's 51 to 63% leave because of the relationship with their boss. So when I looked at it, I said, well, you know, emotional intelligence, the more I got to know about it, would make people not be indifferent. They would be able to create stronger relationships. And yeah. that won't solve all the problems of defections, but it solves a lot. Yeah. So I've uh, been working with many companies on um, talking about how they can train their people, and become an emotionally intelligent company, which is yeah. 75% of the Fortune 500 use the science of emotional intelligence in their hiring and promoting because 80% of a person's success, personal and professional, yeah. can be attributed to EQ. And that's even among scientists that uh-huh. they follow for 40 years. So EQ meaning emotional intelligence, Yes, right? EQ, emotional intelligence. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, Those are compelling statistics. They are. They are. And there's... So you can reduce the uh, defection by... A percent, you know, several percentages, that means that you can keep staff longer, you can keep relationships longer, you can make people happier in relationships. There's, there's one study with a hospital where they had 65% turnover of nurses, which you, I would think like nurses by nature would probably be more emotionally intelligent. But they started using emotional intelligence testing as, for employment, and within 18 months, it was down to 15%. That's a I mean, huge 50% drop turnover. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And so, you know, talking about divorce, you and I talked a little bit about it, um, and I wrote an article which, um, on divorce and emotional intelligence. And how I look at it, and I've had a number of different friends who obviously have gone through divorces, and yeah. it's probably one of the most stressful, difficult times of people's lives. It is terrible. Yeah, the long, dark tunnel, I call it. Yeah, The long, dark tunnel. The yeah. light at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to put your article on our website so people can read it. Um, Terrific. Yeah. And um, they can read more about how to, how to, and we're going to talk about it, of course, today as well, about how emotional intelligence can help people get through a happier divorce. First, tell us what is emotional intelligence. Yeah, I asked that question the first time I came across it, too. Um in 1995, Daniel Goldman wrote an article, uh, wrote a book, and it really rose him to fame, that he talked about what emotional intelligence is, is basically five different skills. So if the first one is you're able to identify what you're feeling, you're able to know what triggers you, you're able to interpret your feeling, you're able to regulate it so you don't have an outburst or you don't make a bad decision, and you're able to manage to some extent what goes on in other people, so manage their emotions. So if you're talking about a family and the divorce is happening and the children are upset. How do the spouses or one of the spouses manage the relationship they have with their children, with their spouse or with themselves? So yes. uh, many of them. The two ba- basic ones I think are most important are the first two, the self-awareness mm-hmm. and then the self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And as a society, we're very logical and rational. 
And um, we think IQ is really important. Uh-huh. I'm laughing because it doesn't feel like the world is rational right now with oh, gosh. what's happening politically. But no, I won't talk about politics on this. Yeah, well, in my opinion, EQ could help Mr. Trump a lot. Okay. But anyway, um, you know, how did any of us learn about social-emotional um, development or EQ? Yeah. Is we learned it depending if you had parents who were very gregarious and open or from school or from uh, classmates and that. But we never took courses, and our kids didn't take yeah. courses. So can we relearn emotional intelligence? Well, the great thing about emotional intelligence, yeah. the really great thing is— You're really passionate about this I'm really passionate about it, <laughs> is that it can always be increased by you. Where our IQ is static, uh-huh. EQ is not. Okay. It can always be increased. There's hope for everyone. There's hope for everybody. No matter where you start, there you can go up. So it's really up to the, the person um, to know that. All right. So the two most important things, we'll talk about all five, but the two most important is um, understanding your own emotions and then um, self-regulating. Right. First, knowing what you're feeling. Only 36% of people at any given moment know what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So as a society, we've not valued, you know, said, oh, what are you feeling? As opposed to what are you thinking? Yeah. So it's mostly been much more around thought and logical. And then you go through a divorce, which is totally illogical on many ways, very emotional and no one's taught us how to handle those emotions appropriately. Yeah. You may have them, and sometimes they're conflicting, but how do you express them appropriately? How do you regulate them? How do you diffuse them? And that would um, those would be the skills I think that would be most important. Very, very useful, yes. Okay, so how do you teach people how to have better emotional intelligence? Well, I highly recommend, and, and what I do when I work with companies and organizations, Travis Bradbury wrote a fantastic book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Mm-hmm. And there's a test in the back. You have the book here. I have the book here. The pages. (laughs) And um, there's a code, and you go onto his website, and you can take maybe a seven-minute test. And from that, it will break down what's your score in emotional awareness, regulation, and then social awareness, and then relation management. And then what's really great about this book is, so if you want to increase your self-awareness, they give you strategies to do it. And not only do they give them to you, but then they write them, they tell you exactly what they are. So this is like a how-to-do book. Okay, so can I see the book for a Absolutely. So if someone's increased this well-used book. Yes. Self-awareness strategies, there are 15 of them. I'm just going to read them because I think they're really great. One is quit treating your feelings as good or bad. Two is observe the ripple effect from your emotions. Three, lean into your discomfort. You circled that one. Four, feel your emotions physically. Five, know who and what pushes your buttons. Six, watch yourself like a hawk. Seven, keep a journal about your emotions. Don't be fooled by a bad mood. Don't be fooled by a good mood either. Mm -hmm. Stop and ask yourself why you do the things you do. Visit your values. Check yourself. Spot your emotions in books, movies, and music. Seek feedback and get to know yourself under stress. Really interesting things to think about. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll just comment on a few of them that lean into your discomfort. So I'll say to people, so what is it you most don't want to do? Yeah. Like, what are you What are you scared of doing? Or you just say, I can't do that. And that's probably your, your edge, your growth edge. So to do that. Um, and the ripple effect. Definitely in divorce, there's ripple effects on both sides of families, kids. And for parents to be aware of, them not using their children um, mm-hmm. with, with the other spouse. And it can be the tendency of leverage. And it's not, I don't think anybody says, I'm going to use my kids, but they can just fall into that. So be, and that's like watching watch yourself like a hawk. Okay, I'm upset. 
I feel grief and I feel relief and how do I deal with that and how am I discussing it with my children or neighbors or family members? What's the story? And it's a tough one. And know what pushes your buttons. You know, if you know what pushes your buttons yeah. and seeing your spouse can push your buttons or be uh-huh. asked spouse, you know, visualize it beforehand and just, if you work your nervous system, okay, so I want to just depart a little bit. So well, how we get triggered, when we're triggered or our buttons get pushed, yeah. there's this part of our brain called the amygdala. And that says, that gives us a shot of adrenaline and cortisol Mm -hmm. as it says, you're in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Now, I would say most of us in our life, when we get triggered, we're not in fight or flight. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to die. But the amygdala, because you've not been in that situation before, or if you've reacted poorly in the past, it gives us the adrenaline, and then we go into the fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. So really, freedom is when I have a thought, okay, I'm triggered, and before I open my mouth, Uh think. Uh-huh. And so Travis Bradbury, uh, he's, his company is six seconds. Because uh-huh. what it is, if you could take deep breaths for six seconds. Uh-huh. Doesn't sound like very long. No, <laughs> it, can be, it, can be, it can be an eternity for uh-huh. some. But six seconds and you take deep breaths, oxygen burns off the adrenaline and you can come down. Uh-huh. If you can do it for 20 seconds, uh-huh. which is some people think is impossible. Really, it's but good to pause before pause. you speak. Huh? Pause. And, act. and yeah, because most people react as opposed to respond. Uh-huh. And responding is... Taking a moment to think. Mm-hmm. You know, I bite the inside of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to say something. Yeah. Or I, I take my fingernail and I put it into my palm because it's just I distract myself from my trigger. Uh-huh. We all have triggers, and one thing that I learned that wasn't very encouraging: we're going to die with triggers, okay, uh-huh. and buttons. Can't get rid of them. No, it's sort of part of that. But the brain says it perceives that we're life or death. Now, a traffic jam, we get upset. It's not life or death. Mm-hmm. You know, we have too much work at work. We get triggered. Well, not life or death. Mm-hmm. So we have these moments that our amygdala gives us this, this shot of adrenaline and cortisol. And if we know we felt that before, yeah. it gives less. So one of the steps, too, is to have an emotionally rich vocabulary. Because uh-huh. if people keep saying, oh, I get angry. But it's really I'm irritated or I'm annoyed. Uh-huh. When you can say that or think that, the amygdala says, oh, you've been here before. Mm-hmm. You're not going to die. I give mm-hmm. you less. Mm-hmm. So for people, if they're finding themselves using the same word for maybe a variety of feelings, that can help reduce the trigger the amygdala gives. The amygdala just goes off. It hasn't caught up with reality that we're not on a daily basis threatened. Our life is not threatened. It perceives. It's a perceived overreaction. Mm-hmm. And when the adrenaline and cortisol is moving mm-hmm. in us, it literally blocks us from having a logical thought. Oh, because, because we're supposed to fight or logical. flight. Right. We're supposed to, <laughs> we're supposed to fight or flight. Uh-huh. It says, you don't need to think. I'm just telling you to fight or flight. Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh-huh. Do whatever you need. You need to hit this person or run. And you don't need to think. I'm cutting off your frontal cortex. You just need to react. Yeah. And we react. So we have to override the instinct. Yes. And being aware of that triggering. And it takes self-awareness to do that. Wow. So um, that's how you can improve your EQ, by understanding chemically what your brain is telling you to do. And if you take a pause, six seconds or more, then you can make a better decision. It goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Aren't most people aware of their feelings? <laughs> I know. I would, like to, I, would like to, I would like to think so. And I think even if you're super aware of your feelings in life in general, in divorce, I think it, it you know, feelings come up that you've never had or the depth of them, yeah. or they just stir some really basic security. Your whole world changes. So when your whole world changes, 
can feel like a victim. You can feel like a lot of things. And the reality is that it's hard to get through. So I think especially through a divorce or anything like that, but emotional, social, emotional intelligence can really help you and the awareness and then the regulation and ways to regulate it. You know, the deep breaths is one. Mm -hmm. Some people, if you know that you um, can jump in in the moment, if it's appropriate wherever you are, or if you, what I do not frequently, I'm happy to say, but I used to do it more frequently, is lay on my bed and my arms and legs up and down. Uh I can't do that for more than 30 seconds and I'm exhausted. Uh It's great to teach kids. Uh It's like a horizontal temper tantrum. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A a friend of mine, her father taught her that when she was two years old. And she said it's really saved her life because when she gets angry, she lays down. Uh And now there's sometimes she can't, but then she knows I need to like do jumping jacks or something. So it's really the adrenaline is wants to be expressed. Uh And that's why we want to run Uh or use our hands. Uh And if we can do that, we can dissipate it before it has us make a mistake or say something we would regret. Or there's a quote I have here from a gentleman um, who's a divorce attorney down in Raleigh, North Carolina. He said, emotional intelligence defies an exact definition, but in the divorce context, it's the ability to recognize and manage your emotions and recognize and respond to your spouse's emotions without letting your emotions or your responses interfere with the resolution process. Where emotional intelligence is in sure supply, discussions, problem solving, mm-hmm. analysis, creative thinking, solution become harder. It takes longer and be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So emotional intelligence, if it's present, the resolution is typically faster, more durable, less painful, and less expensive. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, well, that makes sense. It may not uh, make the divorce any less painful, but it makes it more manageable yeah. for people. Uh, yeah. um, and maybe shorter and maybe less expensive right? because you're less reactionary. Less reactionary. And then, you know, people put up walls. Okay, I, I want to delay this. I'm not going to talk. I'm not yeah. going to do anything. Yeah. You don't put up walls of anger and walls of silence. You know, it's not fair or kind. And my my goal always with, with working with clients um, is, you know, be as kind as you can be, even when you're triggered. Yeah. You know, find kind words. Because I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know, I really want to piss that person off today. You know, in divorce, maybe a little more, but then they stand back and say, you know, I'm not going to feel good about myself a year from now or six months from now. Like, I really like zing them. I don't you know? know. Sometimes I feel like you're giving people a lot more credit than they deserve during a divorce because I think they do wake up feeling <laughs> they want to pick somebody okay. off that day. I mean, there are two philosophies I tell new clients. One is that goodwill doesn't breed goodwill. In other words, being nice to your spouse doesn't mean they'll be nice in return. That's true. And the second one is refusing to negotiate is a very strong form of negotiation. That is doing nothing. You know, like shutting down, blocking all communication, not responding to overtures to settle. That happens. Right. But that but that may be, you may recommend that as a good strategy, but it's not because their amygdala has gone off if they put up the wall. Uh-huh. So it's it's more strategic. And it's like, this is the time, just we're not going to negotiate. We need to just be quiet. Uh-huh. So it's more thought through, I'm, I'm guessing, than just sort of knee jerk and a reaction. Well, yes, when it's my client. <laughs> Yes, it's, yeah. it's thoughtful and uh, strategic. I don't use that strategy all that often. But sometimes on the other side, one of the spouses is just so angry, they just don't want to engage, you know, and it's hard to settle a case if one side won't engage in conversation. Right. Yeah. So what else can you tell us about emotional intelligence? You're working with um, some a Newton group. Which, what's that initiative all about? Oh, uh, yeah, this is um, SEL4, and then number four, MA, or, or, or Newton. Um a gentleman, Mitch Lyons, he was very impacted when, I think it was three or four years ago, there were four students in Newton South that committed suicide, mm-hmm. and he knew one of the families. Mm-hmm. And so he's retired now, and he has come up with SEL for 
Massachusetts or Newton and I'm part of the organization and working and it's all volunteer is working to have Newton to be the first emotionally social learning community in the country. Wow. Which is since my office is in Newton, it's really lovely. The idea is to have parents, Mm -hmm. teachers, businesses, you know, religious community, everybody to have some social emotional learning because what he contends and I think is true is that for those four, four students, there were some signs somewhere along the line that people missed. Yeah. Because, you know, and for some, maybe not, but probably out of the four of them, some of them could have. And it's not blaming anybody, but we're not as social emotionally aware. Yeah. And look at the mass murders. Yeah. You know, it's like there's something going on in this country where we're not as aware when people are not emotionally stable or well, and we maybe minimize because that's, we minimize or deny maybe there's an issue or problem because we'd rather not face it. And, um, you know, I think I go back to think of the the Newtown um, shooter and, you know, his mom had all kinds of weapons and left the key open, even though she knew her son was not emotionally well. Yeah. And I look back and say, you know, if she was more social, possibly more social, emotionally aware, she would have seen those as signs and wanted to get help for her son. Uh-huh. Or at least locked up the guns. Or, lo- yeah, or locked up the guns, right. She, she, somebody who's not um, well. So, so the real passion behind this is we don't want... I mean, 10% of kids in high school in Newton are cutting themselves currently right now. 10% in high schools. I mean, cutting themselves. I mean, that yells loud. And yet the number keeps going up every year. So what can we do except become more socially, emotionally aware or ask questions or just get the awareness higher so somebody working with the students, if it's a teacher, if it's a guidance counselor, if it's a neighbor, a family member, somebody else go, you know, are you what's going on? You know, and and really genuinely care to find out. Mm. So um, fascinating. Well, that's great. That's wonderful that you're volunteering your time for this wonderful well, cause in Newton. And um, particularly since it's the community we're, we're operating in here. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, your article. Can you tell us about the article if we're going to post online? Sure. I just basically go through the, how emotional intelligence can help you have a much better divorce, yeah. um, quote unquote, better, and a little bit about the the book, and then some websites to go to. One of them is the Wheel of Feelings. When I said have a more emotionally rich vocabulary, yeah. um, so there's a Wheel of Feelings that you can look at and say, I'm feeling angry, but is it really anger? Uh-huh. Because there's this great quote. Let's let me. I'm gonna find it um, okay. from from Aristotle. And he said, anybody can become angry. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person, mm-hmm. to the right degree, at the right time, mm-hmm. and for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not within everyone's power, and it's not easy. <laughs> okay. And, that's and the regulation part. That's the regulation yeah. part. And just a, a story about myself, I was at a workshop. I've done a lot of personal growth workshops, yeah. and I had was working on some anger, and I took a, um, a stick and hit, hit something, and it bounce back, cut my forehead. Uh-huh. And I, I needed stitches, which yeah. is okay. Um, it was so all I'm, unexpected result. <laughs> unexpected, unintended consequence. Yeah. And I was laying upstairs, and the workshop was going on, and there was a gentleman who's an ophthalmologist who actually was with me, and it happened, and he said, I'll take you to the hospital. And I'm laying up there, you know, and like five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, and getting a little angry, and like nobody's coming, okay. And around 30 minutes or something, I could barely remember it, I just whipped down the stairs, and I said to the woman in the kitchen, I said, Tell them I'll take myself there. They don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And she says, wait a minute. And I said, okay. And so she goes and gets a facilitator who's a great guy. And he said, Lynn, it'd be really helpful if you told me when you were angry rather than furious. And I was like, 
oh, yeah, that would have been great. Because uh-huh. I was aware of a building. Yes. And that's what I would also say to clients. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I addressed that in the article, that if you're aware of a building, mm-hmm. to disperse it before it gets to the point where it's mm-hmm. the extreme. The extreme, yeah. where you where it's like you dump. You say, you know, all these things you should be about, and it goes on. And it's, it's really not kind or fair. So for me, I make sure every day before I go to bed or whatever that if there's anybody that I'm upset with, and usually not because I clean up real quickly. Because I grew up with a very critical father and sister, uh-huh. older sister, so criticized a lot and didn't want to do that to other people. Yeah. I wanted to give them honest feedback, and I could say anything to anybody, make it sound nice people have said about me, which is true. <laughs> so That's a skill. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. really because I knew what it felt like to be criticized yeah. harshly and, and seemingly... They didn't really care, and I think behind it there was caring, but it wasn't demonstrated. So how to demonstrate caring mm-hmm. and to do that. So you know, the intensity of the emotions and manage them appropriately is always uh, difficult with divorces because there's new feelings that come up they haven't had before. Yeah. While you're talking, I'm thinking about the degrees of emotion. So it's kind of a vertical list in my mind. You yeah. know, there's the, you start with annoyance, mm-hmm. and then it builds to fury. So right. somewhere in the, the vocabulary words all the way up the scale based on intensity. Right. Yes, there's um, annoyance, frustration, upset, irate, furious, and enraged uh-huh. is one. So it's like a parfait. You know, if, if, if for me, layers, yeah, yeah if, I, if I dispel the first layer, yeah. then the next layer is just going to be annoyance again. I'm not going to be, it's not going to be um, going up. And I used to just, for my family you know, my father would get mad like two or three times a year, usually doing something mechanical. But what I learned was only when you're at that furious level do you express it. Mm-hmm. And that's not really appropriate to do with people in life, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like I've been holding on to something, you know, for years. I had somebody say to me, well, six years ago you said X, Y, Z to me, and I didn't like it. And I said, would have been nice if you said something a little well, earlier. Right? First I said, thank you yeah. for letting me know. Um, I can say I remember. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, could you be more specific? And is it really important? to go through it because if it is I will but I got to tell you if you could have told me more when it happened or soon thereafter that would have been better because I don't want to upset people my intention is not to and I'm human mm-hmm. and I do mm-hmm. and and we all have blind spots mm-hmm. and we're all learning and this is part of you know what we do this is sort of an image of trying to balance our IQ with our EQ so trying to take our intelligence yeah. and our heart and how can we bring them together to, do, to put the best of us out there. So the best intellectually, the best legal advice, the best process, yeah. and emotionally, how can we take care of ourselves and make the other people have that ripple effect on? So it um, can be challenging, but it's doable. It's, great. it's a great message. So how can someone get in touch with you, Lynn, to use your the sure. benefit of your services oh, and advice? Awesome. Sure. Uh, my website is Thomas Consulting, and at the end of consulting is wins, W-I-N-S.com. And so Lynn Thomas at thomasconsultingwins.com is my email. And then if I prefer phone, 781-899-4210. And I'm also um, here in Newton. And um, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. I've learned a lot, and I uh, hope that the audience has too. Great. Thanks so much, Indel. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069.
Thank you for listening.